0: Uh, if you brought your Bibles, turn to the letter of Philippians, please. Who likes to get up in front of people? Chris does? I get nervous as I get out, so you'll have to forgive me for a minute here. It's been uh, a couple months past four years since I've been in the pulpit to share the Word of God with a group of people. Um, to say I'm thrilled and encouraged and excited it would be an understatement, and Ted knows that, and I thought I'd share that with you guys. Uh, before I drone on, let's pray and jump right in to uh, Paul's letter to some friends. Father, we're so thankful for You, for Jesus, our Lord and Savior, for Your Word. Just the fact that You preserved it for centuries for us to have today is an amazing gift born out of love. And we know that in it we can see who we are as mankind. And we can see who our God is, our Savior. And so many things about You And I pray this morning that um, for each individual who's here um, and hearing uh, these words this morning, that we would learn something about our Lord that would penetrate our hearts and make us more like Jesus himself. Thank you for loving us enough to, to keep your word, to save those who believe and to be all that You are in front of us and relating to us intimately. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we'll be in Philippians chapter 1. And we'll start in verse 1. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints of, in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers, and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart. Since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the Gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God over 10 years before Paul wrote the letter to the believers at Philippi he and Silas were traveling through what is modern-day Turkey He ran into a young man whose father was a Greek, but his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois were both believers. Paul and Silas, this young man that I just described, and a physician were headed to share the gospel. They were headed for either Asia or Bithynia. But the Spirit of God prevented them from going in either of those directions. So they went to the coastal city of Troas, it's right on the east coast of uh, Turkey. There, Paul is given a vision. It was a man from Macedonia in his vision. And he was telling Paul, he says, come over and help us. This took Paul and his traveling companions to a city that we know as Philippi. It was a Roman colony and a major city in the area. Alexander the Great's father, Philip II of Macedon, named the city after himself. A tad bit arrogant, but... This was in 356 B.C. when he did that. They had conquered the city, and he named it after himself. The name of the city lasted, but Philip II, he only made it about 20 more years. One of his bodyguards assassinated him. and That's what happens to men, not the assassination, but we don't last. Paul and his crew found a group of women assembled for prayer at a river on the Sabbath day and they began speaking with him. Everywhere they went, Paul was on mission. He was on point and he was sharing the gospel. The Lord opened the heart of one of these women and she responded to the gospel and trusted Christ. And don't miss this. This was the beginning of the Philippian church. One person trusting Christ. The church at Philippi held a special place in the Apostles' heart. When no other church was able to, even though they might have desired to, they just weren't able, the believers at Philippi met Paul's physical needs. And more than once, when he was in Thessalonica, he was there for three weeks. More than once they took care of him from Philippi and sent him gifts and provision. And again, when Paul's writing this letter to them, they had done the same thing. He's imprisoned in Rome, and the believers at Philippi had sent gifts to meet his physical needs and to be an encouragement. Epaphroditus, one of their own from Philippi, delivered to Paul what he described as a sacrifice that was well-pleasing to God The love for the Lord and for Paul was on full display by how they cared for him. What was in their hearts was borne out in their actions. In A.D. 61, about three years before Paul was killed, he sent Epaphroditus back to Philippi with the letter to the Philippians that God has preserved for us to read today. Epaphroditus was distressed because the Philippians had heard that he was sick, and he wanted them to know that he was okay. Now today we just send a text, but they could not do that back then. He had to go there. In the greeting of the letter from Paul and Timothy to the Philippian church, they identify themselves as bondservants or slaves of Christ Jesus. And it's very important for us to learn from their example and consider regularly who our Master is, and we are His slave. And that's just a putting under, putting ourselves under Jesus. We've we've gone through quite a few different names and and a couple of places so far. As we're going through this, is my desire that we that we see in just the introduction of this letter how everybody's relating to one another and where that stems from. Even Epaphroditus, he's concerned for. The church in Philippi for his friends, for the believers there, because he knows they think he's sick and he's saying, No, oh, I'm, I'm all better. And just that concern drove him to want to go from Rome back to let them know that he was okay. So, we're going through a lot of names and places and, and quite a bit of text um, this morning. But key in on that. How are they relating to one another and where is that coming from? The goodness of God. Paul and Timothy desire that grace and peace permeate the lives of the saints at Philippi. And that's in verse 2. The grace of God comes to mankind without consideration for what we can give to God in return. He doesn't love us that way. His goodwill is freely given to us for our benefit alone. It's born out of an agape love, a self-sacrificing love for His children. God's peace is a tranquility that overcomes even the most tempestuous of seas. It doesn't matter what's going on. God's peace can overcome that. It feels like sitting down in a chair after a 26-mile marathon. Now some of us, we want that kind of relief after one mile. But others can make it 26 and then want to sit down. This is the goodness of God that Paul desired for the Philippian saints. And we could sit on that alone all day. Grace and peace. And if you read Paul's letters, the other epistles... It's throughout, in almost every introduction, not all of them, but almost every introduction, his desire for grace and peace to those whom he's writing, he, he leads with that. Within the first few verses of, of each of the letters, he wants his friends to have grace and peace that comes only from God. It does not come from the world. And we seek that in many, many different ways. And the world never delivers. But God does through Jesus. Thankfulness, the gratitude that Paul expresses in the beginning of his letter, it's firm and it's specific. Every time he remembered the Philippians, which was regularly, as they were interacting with Paul, he was thankful for them. Every time they come to mind, He was thankful for them. Now if we read other letters from Paul to the churches in the New Testament, he had some things to say to them sometimes. And he had to correct um, and things like that. But the letter to the Philippians, he, he didn't have to correct them. He had a fondness of heart towards the believers at Philippi. He says his prayers were filled with joy every single time that He prayed for them. We would shy away from words always and every time. We learn this as we're relating to one another. They, they mean 100% of the time, and that doesn't happen in our relationships. Nothing happens 100% of the time in human relationships as we relate to one another. But Paul is very specific and then he uses both of those words, always and every. And he can say that. He's writing as a human author, but the Bible is clear that the Holy Spirit superintended over that writing. And the words chosen are very specific and intentional. Every single one of them. He's 100% in his joyful prayer for the saints. Every time he prayed, it was filled with joy. His gratitude, the basis for it, is threefold. It came through the lens of their participation in the Gospel from the beginning to the present. So remember, we're talking about a 10-year time period that he's looking back over and considering the church at Philippi. For that, that time period, he had watched the Philippian church be born, grow, and serve God by proclaiming the gospel, no doubt there locally, with their own words, but also by taking care of Paul and the others that he was traveling with. If they were taking care of Paul, they were more than likely also caring for one another. The heart drives the behavior patterns. What's inside of us drives our behavior patterns. Their hearts were full of love. And it overflowed and showed up in the, in how they took care of Paul. He was also grateful for the Philippian believers because as he watched their participation in the Gospel, it was evident that God had begun a work in them. And he knew that it would be perfected or carried out continually until the Lord's return. In verse 6, for I am confident in this very thing that He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. That word perfected in the translation I'm using, that's the continual uh, work of, of God. He's carrying that out, that good work continually until the Lord's return. The work of the Gospel redeeming a lost soul Sanctifying and then finally glorifying a believer is a good work. And God does that. He never leaves it unfinished. Never. Those of us who have trusted Jesus, we have the same guarantee and that God is intimately involved in our lives and will continually sanctify us until we are with the Lord in glory. And I want to ask all of us, how often do we see the work that God's doing in our lives as a sanctifying work? If He's intimately involved in each one of our lives, if He knows us that well, and He's that big, do we see that all the circumstances that are happening are allowed by Him? And then are we able to rejoice in what those are, both the fun ones and the less than fun ones. The Philippians partaking of the grace of God with Paul in his imprisonment and his defense of the gospel everywhere he went is the final reason that we see for his thankfulness to God for them. The strength of the relationship between Paul and these believers was profound. We can't miss that. This was a very close relationship that he had. He says in his letter to them that it is only right for him to feel this way about him, about them. The word translated feel in our text has a lot to do with the way Paul thought about the Philippians, not just his emotion. It includes his volition, his will as well. Paul's thinking about the Philippians was based on the Spirit of God. The actions of the Philippians themselves that matched up with godly living the sacrifices they made for Him and likely each other, and the scriptural truths regarding loving one another. If we were to just sit on that section of this introduction in Philippians, alone, again, we could camp out there for quite some time. Verse 7, for it is only right for me to feel this way about you. Because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and the defense and confirmation of the Gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. It's everything surrounding that, not just the emotion towards his friends, but it's how he thinks about them, how he chooses to think about them and behave towards them. His love for them, and therefore his gratitude, just made sense and was fixed in Paul's mind and heart because it was based on his view of Jesus Christ. And the same for us, how we relate to one another. It must be viewed in light of Jesus. As a matter of fact, he calls God as his witness as to the strength of the relationship that he had with the church at Philippi. Verse 8, For God is my witness, how I long for you all, with the affection of christ jesus he longed for them with the guts of jesus christ Now i'm not being irreverent at all the the verse says that paul longed for these people and cared about them so much that it was the same to him as the affections of christ and that's powerful Um, when paul was writing this that 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 affection or that love for people was defined using terms of our guts, our intestines, our stomach, our liver, our heart, our lungs. That was how they described their emotion of care and concern and love for one another. And he, he says, I, I, I long for you with the affection, this same feeling, this same sound Based in who Jesus is, the same feeling for them, and he says the affection of Christ Jesus, so it's not just paul's that he's saying, he's saying this is how this is how God feels towards you, and I feel the same way and and I'll ask us today how how do we do with that how How many people we have that intensity of love and concern for? Um, and, and there might be quite a few, and there's others who are maybe a little bit more internal and quiet in their relationships. Are there some people around you that are struggling with that? Are there people around us that need that kind of friend? And rather than letting them initiate that, can we think of somebody we haven't spoken with in a while and jump in? Um, We don't know when that can make a difference. In light of the depth of his thankfulness, based on his relationships with the saints at Philippi, it's no wonder that one of the things he prays for Is that their love for Jesus and each other will continue to grow. He asks God for their love to superabound. We can think of a a volcano erupting, and you might think there are no volcanoes around here. Where are you getting this? I took a uh, break to have dinner, and I watched a YouTube video, uh, which I'll do sometimes just pull up disasters that have happened. Don't ask me why, because I don't know. The power. There we go. The power of God in these natural disasters. That's why. Um, and the, the one that I pulled up, Mount Pinatubo. And the, the Abraham Lincoln, before I was on board, went down to participate in um, taking some people. I think I think there's an Air Force base there. But anyway, this picture of this volcano just exploding is a perfect illustration. This super abounding... And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and discernment. That's super abounding, just this explosion, this outpouring. And that's what Paul's praying for in his prayer for the Philippian believers. Of course, volcanoes don't overflow with love. Okay. But you get the picture. And I I think Elvis had a song about burning love, but that's about as close as we can get. This overflowing love is what Paul's praying for. Do we we pray for each other in that same sense? Do we desire that in our own hearts? This kind of love is not just emotion. Its foundation is not feelings. Its foundation is real knowledge and all discernment. Real knowledge is not head knowledge. It's an experiential understanding. Paul's not referring to just that head knowledge. He's praying that their love will superabound through experiential knowledge of Jesus. Along with this, Paul asks for them to be able to perceive and judge rightly discernment, to perceive and judge rightly towards superabounding love. Experiential understanding and the ability to employ wise judgment based on a perception of reality Stemming from a relationship with Jesus and and the understanding of His Word is what Paul's prayer is designed to, to, to lead them so that they will be able to then approve by testing the things that are excellent. And that will make them sincere and blameless until the Lord's return. Experiential understanding, the ability to employ wise judgment, based on perception of reality that stems from a relationship with Jesus and the understanding of His Word. That's what Paul is praying for so that then they'll be able to approve by testing. They will test things on the basis of that. And they'll approve the things that are excellent. And that will make them sincere and blameless until the Lord's return. And that word sincere, they used to correct Flaws, maybe you had a crack in a in a piece of, I'll use the word pottery. I don't know if that's accurate for that time period. They would fill it in with wax. So if you had a defect, they would fill it in with wax. Well, you could hold that piece up to a light and you could see the wax then. And so sincere is broken out in two words, sincera without wax. It's pure. Sincere. So this will make them sincere and blameless until the Lord's return. We must. We should delight in this, but we must. There's so many distractions in our world. We must be grounded in the Scripture for in it we have everything we need towards life and godliness, Peter says. And this is what will make us stand and walk through life in in real knowledge of Jesus and discernment, finishing well. Blameless and sincere. The fruit of Jesus' righteousness filling them up in all this will cause everyone to glorify and praise God. This is God's ultimate plan. He deserves glory. He's going to get it. He will receive it. A little later in the letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, we read So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are heaven, in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, what difference does this make in our lives today? Paul wrote this letter, so what? What's it there for? We know it's from God, so I'm not being glib when I say so what. But really, why why the letter? What difference does it make for us? The love for others in Paul's letter, his love for the Philippians, their love for him, it's on full display just in the first 11 verses. And I would encourage you to check out his other epistles as well. You're going to find the same thing. But this one is really packed. They had a close relationship. And I I mentioned this earlier. We we can evaluate, not, not as a putting down evaluation, but as a rising up evaluation, to encourage us to seek others out. We can evaluate our love for others and what that looks like in light of Paul and the Philippian believers and how they relate it to one another. Do we have familiarity with one another? Um, here, we have two church services, and that makes it hard. I walked through this morning, and I see faces, and I don't know names. That, that's just me personally. I'm sure I'm not alone in that. So we have two services. We do have a directory, so we can, we can advance some of those relationships. And it does start with familiarity, just hanging out with one another. From there, do we have depth and transparency? Is there, is there anybody in your life that you're transparent with? And, and if not, we'll work on developing that. Um, we live in a busy world with a lot of people around us, but it's not hard to isolate. It's not hard at all. And we have an enemy, the accuser, who would be glad for that. Because then he can, then he can pick us off. But there are so many people that are wanting to care for and love the body here that there's no need to stay isolated. There's no need for that. And it just takes a a phone call, a howdy, how are you? Things like that. Past that, are we seeking experiential knowledge of Jesus so that we can test and approve excellent things? The reading of the Bible... And I, I know everybody here reads it all the time, so I understand that, just like I do. Um, I know everybody understands the importance of it. This is a reminder for us. It's not only is it devotional in that it draws us to God, but the Holy Spirit uses it to change our hearts from within. And it is protective in how the way that works out, in part, is protective. And that we can look around at circumstances of life and say, this is good. This is not God's will. This is not good. And we can discern between the two and judge which one we need to proceed with and which one we need to disregard. Regarding choices and things like that. And then we can approve, um, in addition to that, we can approve the excellent things. We choose that God is glorified in that. And God is glorified in, in how we're relating to one another. And we're just skimming the surface. Right? Like I said, we can park on any one of these points and stay on it for the entire time this morning. Um, look over the whole letter, there's so much here. It's four chapters. Um, this, is, this is one of my favorite epistles in the New Testament. They're all packed, but this one is packed, and it's very encouraging. And we see a picture of what it looks like for believers to take care of one another. So take a look at it sometime soon. Um, it's, you, can, you can hang out in, in several places. Before we wrap up, um, I don't want to I would like to read um, part of chapter two. It's not the introduction. It's not relating to one another. It's not loving on one another, but it's a picture of Jesus. It's a description of who He is. And that's the basis for how we relate to one another. And I don't want to presume that anybody, that everybody here has that foundational relationship with Christ. And I want to take this time to show you from the Bible who He is and just invite you to trust in Him if you haven't. Because that's where it all starts. Chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and compassion, Paul says, Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in Spirit, intent on one purpose, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, here it is, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped and held on to. He emptied Himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. For this reason also God highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you haven't trusted Jesus today, recognizing that you're a sinner and the wages of sin is death, and this is our Lord Jesus Christ, and He is wanting you to be reconciled to God. And faith in Him, and Him alone, is what allows that to happen. If you have any questions about that, any any of the men will be able to visit with you. Um, there's a couple of elders here today, three of them are here today, but anybody who has a heart for the Lord and the Bible can walk you through that. If you have any questions, please say something. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us. Thank you for putting the Spirit of God inside those of us who have trusted Christ and transforming our hearts from within and just allowing us to enjoy life on earth here in a body of believers, just trying to love you and serve you and take care of each other. And I pray that you would explode that in our church and in every church in America, that you would help us to just set aside the noise, and to take care of each other's hearts and put feet to what we know to be true and how we how we love each other. And we know that this all comes from deep within your love and the Trinity before creation and then just poured out on mankind as you created us, watched us fall, and, and you just continue to pour out grace and peace in our lives. Thank you for your love for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.